Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Crew, a New York Rangers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus, alongside Cody Frankel and Avery Zaretsky. We're going to have an interview with Don LaGreca a little bit later in today's episode. Uh, but before we do that, the Rangers just had their 10-game win streak snapped in Columbus. We're recording right now, right after the game. The interview with Don is going to be Monday afternoon, so we'll have this episode out mid-afternoon, Monday, Monday night, that kind of time frame. So just to keep everyone in perspective of when we're recording, this is right after the Columbus game. Uh you know, it sucks. It's a bummer the way they lost that game. You can't really be too upset like about shit. it, I feel like. Uh, but what do you guys think? I know, Avery, you were watching with Alex and AJ. So what were the vibes over there in Miami? Uh, it was all right. I mean, th- obviously, no one wants to lose, but it is what it is. You you win 10 games. At least they tried. <laughs> I mean, they didn't really try. We were kind of saying that that's what you were going to say, though, before you hopped on. No, I I, th- I didn't think they played a great game at all, but also it's like, you know, the Rangers could go on spans where they win four games, they lose one, they win three games, they lose one. Like, for them to go ten straight games with, with wins, like, can't really ask for much better than that. And it's like they were bound to lose a game. Like, they weren't going to go the rest of the season and just keep winning. So it obviously sucks that it was tonight. Against I mean, it's Columbus. just so fucking typical that they have a chance to like set a franchise record in Columbus and they lay an egg. Yeah, but you saw Lobby talking about it. Like they don't really care about that. They have one. No, but goal. we care. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't care. I actually I care. Do. You don't like, care. I care. Dude, what what are we gonna like? Go tell our kids like, oh, we saw like a franchise record. Like, no, we want the Stanley Cup. Like, you. Think I mean, they I would still it? tell my kids that. Because you're weird, like dude. So, you're like you're like a participation trophy type. A- too. Avery, for fans like TBL, the dude, where do they go from here? Oh, dude, I, I don't, I, I don't. <laughs> that guy's that guy's weird. But no, I just I, I think it is what it is. Yeah, it's I'm getting this, I'm getting season. slapped around by Columbus girl right now. Yeah, you're um, enemy. Yeah, my my frenemy. She's uh really just she. She told me to leave her alone and then tweeted at me 11 times since Yeah, did she tweet anything at you? I want to see it. Yeah, like five things, dude. She's tweeting like memes at me and shit. Right I'm, now? Yeah. Um yeah, I think I think she's she's something else. But um listen. These games happen. They didn't play well at all. I thought top to bottom, they played pretty poorly until the last 2 minutes and 30 seconds of the game and literally two minutes of that they had a power play yeah yeah it's not yeah so um you know i I think listen quick hasn't played in how long 10 days he hasn't played since the montreal game which was yeah yeah, like 10 days yeah Yeah. last thursday so it's it's been a while for him and And even before that it was like yeah uh tampa game yeah and i'm I'm not making excuses i mean you know they lost they didn't play well at all um I, i i thought keandre miller had an absolutely horrible game um but, you know, not to just point out him, but, uh, yeah, they just got to kind of burn the tape there and, and move on. And we have Columbus again on Wednesday, so let's kick their ass. And Columbus, girl, I'm coming for you. Avery, looks like you had something to say. Are, are we home against Columbus? We have yeah. To- yeah, Wednesday night. Yeah. The right. schedule's so stupid. that it No, but, but after that game, and not to overlook Columbus, like the Rangers' schedule in March is, is pretty fucking loaded. Uh, just to, I'll read through it, but it starts Saturday. They're in Toronto, then home against Florida, home against St. Louis, home against New Jersey, on the road in Carolina, on the road in Tampa, on the road in Pittsburgh, home against the Islanders, home against Winnipeg, in Boston, home against Florida, home against Philly, in Colorado, in Arizona. Like yeah. there aren't really many easy games on that schedule. Right? Yeah. It's gonna be a fucking grind in March. I know. I know Columbus is like bad, but. Our our biggest weakness as a team is that we're just not good on the rush. Like we're not. Yeah, good and they were saying on the broadcast all and night. They are, right and they're really they're really yeah. fast, and they're really good on the rush. So it's dude, just like they played exactly into our weakness. Yeah, I mean there was, I mean how they rushed us like seven different times, and I think they scored three of their four goals on the rush. Yeah, um, the Roslovic goal was 
Sick. First one was like, what was the first one? I don't know. It's all. I know blurred. the second one was like that. I know play the last one on the rush. Marchenko was that one where he danced around quick after like a really bad end zone at the start yeah. of the second. First goal was a snipe, dude. Third goal off the rush. Fourth goal off the rush. What was the first? I can't think of the first goal. There's a snipe from the cor- from from the corner. Oh, Varankov, but I don't. I can't remember the goal. It was a power play goal. I don't know. Um, just want to take a quick pause and talk about a great new sponsor that we have. I love betting, my friends, and betting them on anything. Sporting games, who's fast, that's what Cut allows me to do. The Cut app is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's legal in 40-plus states. Cut has customizable odds, tracking capabilities, and an entire social network with group chats, user profiles, and rewards. All payments, no need for Venmo. So use our code Believe Rangers, capital Believe, and then a capital R in Rangers for a 10% welcome deposit bonus. Don't forget that promo code. That's Believe Rangers, capital Believe, B-L-E-A-V, capital R in Rangers, and Cut will put your money where your mouth is. Either way, yeah, just, you know, ugly game, but I wanted to get into Matt Rempe just uh, right away. Well, obviously, it's the only fucking thing that really we could talk about from that game. What else really happened? But what what do you guys make of just his last week? Obviously, it's been super exciting. I mean, people, I I tweeted as a joke, but other people have been saying it too, that Rempe right now is like the Lynn Sanity. Um, Yeah. You know, just comes in randomly and like becomes this big storyline. And I'm not sure it's going to continue. Yeah. What do you guys make of this whole week with Matt Rempe? I I think, you know, Listen, I love that he's trying to change the tempo. I love he's trying to get the guys jolted and you know, he's he's being the enforcer that this team needs, right? Like I don't think you need to start a fight every game uh, or or say yes to a fight every game. I think you're you're going to you know, you're going to learn real quick that there's certain guys you don't mess with regardless of how big you are. I I think he kind of learned that tonight. Um but you know, I love I love what he's doing for the team. Um I love the energy he's bringing. And I, I think tonight he's going to use as a learning lesson. And I, I'm sure Laviolette's probably actually going to talk to him tonight and, you know, let him know, like, we appreciate your energy. We love what you're doing, but like, you know, don't feel the need to like go to battle in terms of fights every single night uh, for, for these guys. Like, like I think just, just being physical and, and keeping guys out, you know, like crashing the net when you're on the ice and things like that and just being physical with other players, I think that shows just as much enforcer-like as it does like ringing the bell with guys. Yeah, I think I think Rempe's been awesome. I agree. You definitely don't have to fight every game. You shouldn't have to feel the need to do it, but maybe he wants to. Maybe that's just the yeah. building. Like he knows like he's not there to be the offensive production guy. I mean, he scored in Philly, which was awesome. And, and you know, he, he, he is um, – I wouldn't say he's like a super skilled player, but he is skilled. He, I mean, his speed is actually surprisingly pretty good. What do you? Huh? What the hell are you saying? I'm saying like he's fast for his height. Like he, like he Bro, does fastest have, skater in the league. Like he does have some skill. Like he's not just like a complete plug. I think he still adds like a little bit of something there. I like wouldn't a, say yeah, he's fourth not line grinder. Skill. Yeah, fourth line grinder. Skill, skill is a stretch. I'm trying to find. I thought I saw a Dude, stat. Stop where shitting on my like, boy Avery Johnny. Okay. I, 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 I just think, I just think he's not. I'm just like trying to say like he's not like a plug. He's like, more he's than just a fighter. Yeah. He's yeah, not just useless out there. He's not real. Yes, he's not. Yeah, real. Like, like we can, we can use, we can use him in terms of like we don't need him to fight and then play with eleven forwards to start the yeah. game. Like we, he, he's an impactful player out there. No, I'm no, trying. I agree. In, in a couple games, he'll probably be on PP one, but um, <laughs> you know, no, <laughs> F you. Cody, no, no, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. He's not just, you know, he's not just a dummy there to, to fight people. Like, again, I think he's bringing an edge to this team that this team needs. Um, but I think taking the approach where, like, I'd like to see him lay some big hits and stuff. I, I don't think he needs to, you know, ring the bell every night. But yeah, I agree. I, I thought I saw a stat of him like in junior where he only had like here, I'm trying. To, I've been trying to find that for like, the last five minutes. He All had right, 16 well, fights in the AHL. What? Focus up on the pod, buddy. He had he had 16 fights in the AHL, I think, in his career. He's already got what four fights in five games? Uh, three, 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 three. Yeah, but it feels like more. He didn't. No? He didn't fight Bas- Bastion. 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 <laughs> I, li- I like saying. I like saying it like. No, the he guy popped from, uh, He fucking popped Siegenthaler right after that hit. 
I don't think they. I don't think they. Yeah, yeah it wasn't, it, did they call? Did they register it as a fight? That was definitely a fight. He literally punched Tegan Dollar straight in the face, knocked his ass. Down. I know, but it was like definitely a fight. That was definitely all right. Any, anyways, anyways. So there's three games left, boys, before the deadline. Right? That's we it. Game, yeah, that's it. Because we have a game Wednesday. What's we have a game March eighth. It's dude, a week next Friday. Next Friday, but. But we have a game on Wednesday three, against Columbus. Three games. Yeah, three games. You said? Yeah, yeah. And then we play the Leafs on Saturday, the Panthers on Monday, and then we're off until Saturday. So the deadline will have passed. So my guess is after that game against the Panthers on Monday, Chris Drury is going to be a very busy guy the next three, four days. Um, you know, Johnny texted our group chat earlier today about Brady Kachuk. And no, I, we had a little, I did. I did. I did. Avery texted our group Which chat. Did like a little bit of a Q&A on, on, on Twitter the other night. He was just answering questions, and he was saying, like, rumor boys, they they heard that Brady Kachuk might be on the move. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there any legitimacy to that? I'm not, like, saying that, you know, Wit isn't tapped in, but, like, you know, are we really going to sit here and say I mean, to be Kachuk fair, to be fair, like, a lot of the insiders, like, how much, the, you know, the NHL insiders aren't like Woj and and Shams in terms no. of like they just like they, they don't really put that much stuff out there. So like it could it could be very legitimate. I know that they're close with the Kachucks and they're also tapped into a lot of the teams in the yeah. NHL. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him. The only insider who actually puts shit out there is is Friedman. That's it. Like, and uh I like um we had him on the show, Pagna, Pagnota. Pagnota. Yeah, Fra- yeah, I mean, yeah, Frank Sarvalli does too. Frank does also on his shows. Frank does too. Frank does yeah. too. But if it's, but also know. a lot of them, a lot of them do it on their shows and not on Twitter. So you got to listen right. to their podcast yeah. to hear where they talk about that stuff. Yeah. It's not like they're tweeting like all the time, like hearing this guy is going here. They just talk about on their show when a team comes up and players come up, they elaborate on what they're hearing on those players. Yeah, yeah. but but anyways, I don't want to derail too much. I guess my question to you guys is. You know, Rempy's obviously up now. Edstrom's up. Like, what does this team need besides a three C? Do you still think they need a winger going? Like, because if they thousand percent, one thousand. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, okay. I think, and I think that you saw Park, that. Parkley will get too. the boot. You saw that tonight too, with the way that Laviolette was moving around the lines. Like, you just wanted to see how yeah. guys look in different scenarios. I don't know if that's like a Chris Drury thing. Like, does, did he want to see Panarin up at the top and like told No, I mean, they had no jump in the second period. I think that's what it was. Like, they, they came out in the good. second period and they were so fucking flat. Like, he had to do something yeah. to change it. I know, up. but you go 10 games with the same lines, like, you wouldn't When your team leave. is that flat, dude, like, the first three minutes of the second period, they were hemmed in their own zone. You just yeah. got to do something. Well, if Aaron Judge goes 0 for 27, do you bench him? I don't know. The answer is no. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, but what if the whole team? What if the whole team? I just decided to ask the most random thing, yeah. and just because I, whenever I ask something ran, random, that's like over Johnny's head because he can't think that hard. He well, just I just don't know baseball like that. That's like what uh, Aaron, going over twenty seven is like what nine, eight games, eight games, nine games. No, proud of you, yeah, dude. And also, like eight games. Uh, Emily Kaplan was talking on the broadcast of the Flyers game about how gay pro and. Um, and off well, yeah, let's go back into the Kachuk thing now, or just yeah, no, no that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like in terms yeah. of like what the Rangers would do at the deadline, it, the way Emily Kaplan's talking, they're not willing to move with their two biggest pieces. So it would either have to be a roster player and a ton of picks, or they're just not. I don't. Maybe the Rangers you're not going to take you're a not big Brady Kachuk if you're not moving moving exactly. So I, I don't even know if the Rangers are going to take a big swing if they're just hanging up the phone on their two biggest prospects. They I, I know they, they have to, but do they need do, do they do they need that big of a swing? Like a three C to me isn't a big swing. Like trading for Yanni Gord, I'm talking about a first example, line winger. Like they need that. Yeah, but like who's available, dude? Who's well, who's a prospect who's they would get rid of right now? Would probably be Brett Berard, who's kind of lighting it up or, in the AHL, or Garand, or uh, Berard. I would imagine would be one of the prospects to go. I I don't think they're you know like Emily said. I, I don't think they're going to move off. And if they do move Perot, I would have a shit fit. I think every Ranger fan would with what he's done in college this year. Uh-huh. Uh, like Abe Perot, if they if they ever move, like I'm all for going all in on the Stanley Cup. But with this kid. I don't I don't know. To me, he's untouchable. Like I don't care who they bring in. Gabe Perot for me. Connor McDavid. 
Well, you know, like really Johnny wouldn't trade Gabe Perot for yo put put it out there in the universe, boys. Just to me, like you look at a guy like Gabe Perot, like Mika's what is he thirty one years old? How how old is Mika? Mika's like thirty one, yeah, maybe. Regardless, keep going. I just think that's a guy who's going to be your number one center for as as long as you need him to be. Yeah, uh, he's a you know the guy's he's a playmaker. He's a gamer. He's done it at every level. Like he is arguably the best prospect the Rangers have had, maybe since I've been alive. You know. Okay. I, okay. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. He gets thirty, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just said that. Yeah. Oh my bad. Um. So Gabe Perot, untouchable. Fine. We all yeah. agree. Yep. If Brady Kachuk or Jake Gensel, who we're obviously not going to get because Pittsburgh hates us, um. Like, is there anybody other than those two guys that, whose name you've heard that you're giving up Brendan Othman for? Honestly, I would give up Othman for Petrano. <laughs> I think Petrano. Crazy, I would. Dude. I would. Why? You're crazy. You're crazy. That's that's, that's really bad. I would never. Not a, not a that's, not a one for one. That's crazy, dude. Not a one for one. But like, I I think Othman as as much as I do like Othman, if we're talking about going all in right now, then Petrano is a piece that's needed. Dude, no? I love you, bro, but you can literally get Vetrano with so much less. And I know he's having a career year, and I know he's under term. Bro, you can get Vetrano with, like, your first Zach Jones and, like, one other prospect, and that gets you Vetrano. You don't you need to give so? up Brennan. 100%, dude. Hundred. You're talking to the trade wizard over here. You do not need to trade Brennan Othman for Frank fucking Vetrano. And I love Vetrano. Yeah, dude, like, if, I, I'm, if I'm talking about Othman, I'm thinking, like, Gen- like <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking big I'm hitters, thinking like dude. Othman in, like, a first and maybe in a second for Gensel. Like, I'm not... Yeah. What was the initial question? Yeah. I it was, was it was, besides Gensel and Brady Kachuk, is there anybody out there whose name you've heard that you would give up for? Which you answered. You yeah, answered. yeah. Well, just, yeah. yeah. Vetrano, which is yeah. fine. You're entitled to and your opinion. Boots. I think you're crazy, but... See... Booch, I'm Booch still Vetrano over Buchnevich. I, I, dude, I that's insane. That's insane. You're, you're wild, dude. You're I bro, am. But before, can I just say something? Vetrano's on pace for 60 points this year. Before this year, he's never had over 45 points. Like that, I'm just gonna put that out there. Booch has had two 80 point seasons, bro. You're crazy. I think Vetrano's a great player. I, I would, I would love to have him back in a heartbeat. But like, we're talking Same. about like two completely Same. different players here. I know, and I just don't think that Buchnevich is a playoff guy. I, I don't. I don't see it in him. I don't. And we've seen Vetrano be successful in the playoffs here on that top line. Like he's got speed. He can bang bodies. He's a shoot first guy. He scores goals. And I think he scores goals. Pavel Bichnevich has 22 goals right now. Buddy. I know, but I'm saying in the playoffs, in the playoffs, like Frank Vetrano came here for a playoff run. And to me, he proved himself. Like I haven't seen, like, let me, let me even just look up Bucinevich's playoff but, stats. But I will say, like, we we agree with you. We want Vetrano back. I think Vetrano will be great for this team. I just don't think you need to give up Brendan Othman for that. And I think no, that's you, crazy. It was, I'm not, it, was, it was a hypothetical question. Who's the one name out there that you would give up Othman for? So I answered the question and said Frank Vetrano. Bucinevich had one goal in 12 playoff games with the Blues uh, in 21-22. He had 11 points, 10 assists, one goal in 12 games, minus three. Before that, played three games in the bubble at the Rangers, zero points, and then 16, 17. So he had 11 games, points in 12 games, and you're saying he's not a performer? Frank Petrano has one more point. Oh, no, wait, no, I'm looking at... Uh, I'm just saying up. in that run, like, Frank was a perfect sure, fit. Sure, so no, perfect I, fit. Listen, nobody's disagreeing with you. Frankie is the man. But I don't know. I, I don't think there's another... I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Hannafin, if it's like... a you know, for Alpin? Yeah, dude, Hannafin's insane. Han- you think Hannafin, bro? Really? Hannafin's like twenty-seven years old, and he would be your—he would be on your top four for the next ten years. I don't. I mean, dude, Hannafin is Hannafin. They're talking about him commanding two first, bro. Okay, yeah, I, re- I read that wrong. So yeah, Bo- Booch was almost a point of game player in that on that Blues run in twenty-one, twenty-two. Vitrano's played fourteen more games. And has um, not that many more points than than Booch, but yeah, I mean, I just think it it would be clear cut. I would have rather have Booch back on that top line than Vitrano. Even even though 
like I said, I would take Vitrano back in a heartbeat. Like if it was, I, I don't think there's any wrong answer. It's just no, yeah, no, no, no preference. No. They just um, need an upgrade there without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. yeah. I mean, listen. Also, like, I want to step back a second and say, like, is there anyone really worth? Like, is there is there really one piece you think that really sets this team over the edge? You know what I'm saying? Like right now, bringing in one guy, I don't think change. I think you need like maybe two or three. I mean, I think bringing in Brady Kachuk or Jake Gensel well, changed this team. Yeah, you, you okay. need Brady, you Brady need Kachuk. Yes, yeah. Brady Kachuk. But, but, but yeah. there's no, and that's what I was saying to you last week. Like, there's this is a really weird year because there's no superstars available. Like, like I don't think anyone's no, doing. You know, back just like Berard or Offman or any prospect. Like, there's no like one for one. I think that's gonna really separate. No, no, pro- be, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Like every team needs to make like, you know, we could trade for Vitrano and we still need to make one more move. To- yeah, like if, if if you had Othman in a package with uh let's say Berard Jones Jones for like Henrique and Vitrano. I don't know. Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, I fucking hate this time of year. It's all just like hypothetical. I know. It's just talk. like one of those things, it's like, dude, and I I, I will I will fight to the death for Mika like I love Mika Zibanejad but he's got five even strength goals bro like we need someone someone we need someone to get him going because like and and Mika March is coming up we know it's always a big month for him so hopefully he turns it around but like there needs to be someone on that line there needs to be like listen you're you're not going to go out and get a Panarin type passer but like you need someone who like can get Mika the puck in, in a spot for him to score so I, I still don't think he's playing as bad as people are making it seem he, to be. He's still he's not he's five even strength goals for for a yeah. number one center no. is not yeah. good. Dude, he, well, he I mean, not playing have you guys well. seen his points? No, he's 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 playing tra- well tra- in tra- areas tra- of the ice. He's just not scoring goals, and he doesn't have that shoot mentality. I like, agree. yeah, every time, and, I, and I'm starting to like count it honestly. Every time he has a two on one with Chris Kreider, he pa- I, I can't remember the last time he actually shot. Even that goal against the Devils the other night. Like that puck comes to him in the slot and he's looking back door for Kreider and then the puck ends up on his stick for the rebound. But like, when is that going to click in to just shoot the fucking puck? Dude, I, I don't know. I don't know. And that was a power play. So it's not yeah. Favorite, I don't know but. what's going on with him. He just, you know. Okay. So, so sorry. I'm going to ask one more question. Hypothetical. Okay. Yeah. Is there any tr- trades Drury can make that would leave you disappointed at the deadline? And be like, damn, that sucks. Or I'm yeah, just- if you like trade, if you traded Gabe Perot for like <laughs> someone not worth it. No, I meant like, all right, if we if at the deadline he trades for like Greenway and like Anthony Duclair. I, I no, I wouldn't be disappointed. I wouldn't that's like. Your, that's so, your deadline. So here, here's my thing about the trade deadline. I never like jumped jump at like Drury or anything like it's, it's all about waiting. Like, yeah, I'd be disappointed if they didn't get like a top line, top line winger, but like whoever they get, like, I'm not going to jump on them right away. Like I'll give them time to figure it out. And hopefully they work out for the Rangers. Like, I'm not just going to be like, Oh, why would we do this? Why would we do that? It's like, mm-hmm. you just got to let them play. Like there, there's guys you're going to get and you're, you don't know what's going to happen. Like they could click, they could find chemistry. They could be a lot better than they were on the team that they were on before. So you, you can never really just jump at a guy until you actually see how they play. If also, they get rid of Kako for a rental, I'd be pretty disappointed. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's another that's one too. The, that's the answer I was looking for. Yeah. I'd be pretty yeah. disappointed. Just because right now Kako is probably a cheaper third liner that like, you know, let's face it, right now he is that third line guy that is, you know, critical to a team that wins. Yeah. Again, you know, if you want to throw in Kako for a guy that comes with like another year of a contract that is a little bit more offensive and has more mm-hmm. offensive upside, I'd be a little bit more for it. But for a rental, the rental thing, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not really for right now. I, I, I got to be honest. In, I, I hope I'm fucking over it. I'm over, I'm over yeah. trading for the rentals. We do it every year and it doesn't pan out. Like tra- that's why I'm so for Vitrano this year because it's like one more trade year. for a guy with one more year of term. And like, you know, at least if we somehow don't make it to the end, which, you know, this is our year and all, but um, then we have him the following year. I agree. But that's the one thing I think I'd be disappointed. At least that's like been talked about. Yeah, I agree. I think that's probably the yeah that it would be like that and like trading Gabe Perot. Other than that, I don't think Gabe Perot. I mean, Dude, there's Gabe, no Gabe Perot and Offman. 
Oh, that's all hypothetical. No, like, can, that, I, can I tell you what mine would be? What? If they traded away Cooley. Oh, yeah. Is that even being talked about? Dude. Why not? Dude, Will Cooley is a fucking treasure. I don't think they're doing that. If a team says, if if the one obstacle for a big player is like, hey, we want Perot or Cooley, like, who do you think they're going with? What do you mean? You think they're going to? Wait, wait. Say that again? I'm saying, like, if a team, if if they're in deep negotiations with a team and and the team is like, we want a premier prospect, and that's either Perot or Cooley, let's just say. Well, Cooley's not a prospect. He's a full-time he's, he's still He's still considered a prospect. No, he's not. He's a yes, full-blown bro. NHL player. Bro, okay. He's played every game this year. I, I know that. Does that make him a prospect? He's, he's just he's a young player. A like young player. He's still considered he's still considered a young player. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think that like if it was like they're trading for Booch and they're arguing like should we trade Cooley or not? Like, that's what that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I would do it. All right, Avery Avery's sick. Um Yeah, I don't know. Like Cooley, I don't know. I don't You know what I'm know. saying? Just just yeah. putting the thoughts out there, but not uh, honestly, realistically, what's going to happen is they're going to trade for like two guys who were just like they're going to trade for like Nick Dowd, and we're going to be like, all right, sick. But all right, anything else, boys? No, we got a. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of this with Don Lagreca. We haven't actually recorded with him yet, so you know we'll talk about that. But all this hypothetical talk, like I just can't wait for it to be March 9th. Like I really. Donnie just says know. this every single year. I know it's so fucking annoying. Like every week leading up to the deadline, it's all these conversations, and like people get heated. People like. You know, it's just all hypothetical and so annoying every year. He's sick I, of being bullied on Twitter for another nine it. days. I hate it. Um, but yeah, you guys have any final thoughts before I go to Don? No. All right, let's kick it over to Don LaGreca. Hope you guys enjoy it. This week on the Blue Crew, we are very honored to welcome on someone I've actually gotten to know now over the past couple of weeks being at Ranger Games, someone I've listened to my entire life, the co-host of the Michael K Show. He hosts his NHL podcast called Game Misconduct, and you always hear him on the Rangers radio network airwaves on ESPN 98.7. Welcome to the show, our new friend, Don LaGreca. Don. Oh, it's my pleasure. If people knew how much work we've put into getting this together, they'd really I think appreciate uh, and look forward to these uh, this time together because we've been trying to do this for a while. Our schedules are busy, but I'm glad we're able to get it together. A lot of chatter at games about when you're finally, finally going to come on. But I actually, you know, as you know, you prepare for a lot of interviews. We prepare for a lot of interviews. Sometimes things happen where you kind of have to go off the rails a little bit with the way you started. So something happened. And I don't mean to put you on the hot seat here, Don, but about 20 minutes ago, I got a friend request on Facebook from you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I've listened to Don LaGreca's rants on the airwaves now for probably 20 years of my life. If he's doing rants on Facebook, I don't think I can accept his friend request. Are you one of those Facebook guys that go on and just rant? No. Uh, matter of fact, <laughs> my Facebook, I would get rid of it if I didn't have a bunch of pictures stored in it. But I, I just recently needed to get something and I downloaded it on my phone. And now <laughs> I'm getting all these messages. So I saw your message. Uh, also, uh, Leah Hextall from ESPN friended me. So I'm like, I, I, so I hit a bunch of these and, 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 but I, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook. I'd get rid of it. So I don't, don't expect any real content from me on Facebook. I was just wondering if you transcribe all your radio rants into writing and put it on Facebook. I don't know no, 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 nothing like that at all. My rants are just for radio or what yes picks up and then that's it. So. I usually feel oh, wow. I usually regret them right after they're over. I kind of want to have those old school blackouts that I get, but uh, no, there won't be anything on Facebook. Don't worry about it. I'll confirm this request live then as we're recording. Yes, there you go. Now we're officially Facebook friends. Excellent. I love that. Don, you, like you pretty man. much answered one of my first questions for you. For those who don't know, you're probably, if not the biggest or one of the biggest animated broadcasters in New York, if if not in the, in the country. With that being said, would you feel like there's a what like what's your breaking point with fans like when you really just get set over the edge because we've seen it all it's it's really funny and I love to watch it it's usually just like stupidity like a dumb question or just somebody that's trying to get my goat and I think I've gotten good enough at it to realize when somebody's kind of just faking it to try to get me upset but you know <laughs> sometimes it depends on my mood that day you know was was there traffic going to work I might be on edge but, but most of the time it's just a caller will set me off with something just really stupid and then I just get going or maybe Michael's got me in a bad mood and, uh, and I kind of go off there. There are times where 
I'll be ranting about a subject, but my anger really is coming from someplace else. <laughs> you know, so it's you know, <laughs> I'm sure a therapist would have some fun with that, uh, trying to find out why sometimes I'm the way that I am with my rants. But uh, most of the time, it's they're not fake because if they were fake, I'd do them more often because they do get a positive reaction. But sometimes it just does come from like what what headspace am I in on that given day, and and that's how animated I end up being. But usually, it's a caller just saying something stupid or a dumb point that just drives me up a wall are there people who say it's fake because there's no way oh yeah there's no way there's people with I, that much passion who could fake that i mean they're I so always, genuine whenever i have a rant and it like it'll go viral or espn will put it up or yes will put it up i'll read the comments and somebody inevitably will say oh it's just fake he's an actor he's just trying to get clicks and like i said if i if i was acting i would do it a lot more often than i do i mean sometimes i'll go a whole year without losing it sometimes i'll lose it two three days in a row but believe me if it, if it was an act i think i'd be uh, doing a disservice to the station if i didn't do it more often than i uh do based on the reaction it seems to get is there anything right now regarding the rangers that has gotten you riled up as of late i know things have been good here we've won 10 in a row i know that was snapped last night but you know the conversations are starting to pick up around the trade deadline is there something you know, that you've been hearing lately that maybe frustrates you or something you want to address? No, I mean, I, right now it's been it's been fun. I mean, last night was really frustrating. I, I had to call with Dave Maloney. Um, and I, I guess if there's anything that maybe needs to be addressed in the immediate is the Matt Rempe situation. Yeah. Because cl clearly, and you saw, I thought MSG had great footage of the conversation with Olivier before the game. I mean, he's going to be challenged every night. And, and he's got to learn to say no. And I know when you're a young kid and you're being challenged by veterans like Delorier, like Martin, like Olivier, you feel obligated to oblige. But I, I don't know how it benefited them last night. I mean, he had fought a huge fight with Delorier the day before. But you can see he still has bloody knuckles from that fight. So he's clearly at the disadvantage. Olivier didn't scrap, I believe, against Buffalo on Friday. You know, so you got to realize, hey, we're playing on Wednesday. If you want to go at me, then let's do it on Wednesday when I've got a few days off. And I really do think it affected the Rangers because he didn't do well in that fight. And then the Rangers give up an early goal and Columbus ended up being the better team. Now, maybe that would have happened anyway. And based on how they played against Columbus this year, there's a sneaking suspicion it would have ended up that way anyway. But I think whether he or somebody within the organization has got to manage this, he, he can't. It just It's not healthy for him to go out there and fight every night. He's a good player. He's a nice fourth-line player. You saw, even though he um, he didn't score that goal um, uh, by uh, Enstrom, he certainly affected that goal for sure. Uh, he's a nice player. and But we've seen, unfortunately, in this league, guys that fight a lot. It's, it's not healthy. It's not good. So I hope this isn't going to be a, a daily event. And I and I hope that in these warmups, when he's getting challenged, that he can just say, listen, not not tonight. And I think last night would have been a good spot for him to say, listen, you want to go at it. Let's go at it on Wednesday. But I'm good tonight. Well, I, I saw that also. And I and I posted the clip of Olivier skating over to him in the red line. But did you see the postgame quotes that came from Olivier after where he said that Rempeach actually challenged him? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't see that. I was, uh, you know, oh. I did the game. I didn't get a chance. So. I mean, if that's then, then, then he has to yeah. be managed out of that. He's got, listen, no, let's, we got to stop. I mean, yeah. we all knew that Olivier was the one guy that could fight him. And there's not a lot of teams that have a guy like that. So it's not like it's going to have to be every single night, but that has to be managed. I think, you know, whether Peter has a conversation with him, like it's great. He's become a folk hero, but they've got bigger fish to fry here. And, and I think he's an important player. Um, the goon, the enforcer's role is starting to leave this sport. But that fourth line's contributing. I think that's more important than anything else. If he's asked to answer the bell, answer it. Uh, but, you know, that's probably not the, the, uh, the ideal thing for him to do is be, you know, fighting two, three times a week. I just think it's going to – and I worry about his health. I mean, we've seen, unfortunately, these enforcer, enforcers have really the struggle in life later on. It's not, it's not an ideal situation for him. So hopefully he learns to manage that. I mean, you know they're having a rematch on Wednesday night after he lost. On I don't – again, I, that, listen, great for him. He's, he's had a few days off because they're not playing again until Wednesday, and then they don't play again until Saturday. I don't know if you take a look at the Rangers' schedule. It's weird. They play four times in two weeks. It's crazy. Yeah. 
Um, but does it benefit the Rangers? They're a better team than Columbus. Sometimes it's just about going out there and being the better team. I think it benefits the Blue Jackets more than it does the Rangers because it just fires up a team that's just kind of waiting to get to the finish line where the Rangers are actually battling for first place. I still think Carolina could put pressure on them. They've got the games in hand and they've got a lot of meetings together between now and the end of the season. So I I think it's important to win this division. I think it's important to finish strong. So those are the things I think they need to focus on more than what's going on with Rempe and his fights almost every night. Yeah, absolutely. And you would think he'd want to save the fight for MSG, if anything. (laughs) I, I, but I just think he's, he's fired up. I mean, he's a kid, he's excited and, and I, I, you're going to get a no, he's going to get a great ovation in the game uh, coming up on Wednesday because the, the game against the devils was at the rock. A lot of Ranger fans were there, but it was technically a, you know, a road game and the game in Philadelphia was on the road. So I'm thinking he's going to get a tremendous response and I'm not going to put it at the level of, of Lynn sanity, but it does have a, <laughs> it does, it, it does have a, a, a DeVito kind of feel to it with the giants. Right. So, um, but you know, uh, it's a, this team's competing for a Stanley cup. And I, and I think he can be a major piece to that, honestly, the way that fourth line is playing right now with Enstrom and Gaudreau. So I think that's gotta be the focus moving forward. hundred percent going back to your broadcasting career, just, just going away from this Rempe situation a little bit. I did hear that you were a devil's fan growing up. Is that true? Yes, I was a Devil fan. My first game was February 22nd, 1987. My girlfriend, now wife, was a season ticket holder when they made their run to the conference final in 88. My dad wasn't a big hockey fan. I remember watching the 79 Stanley Cup final with him, and I remember wanting to go to the Garden, wanting to see Ranger games. My dad was not a big fan of going into the city. And like I said, he didn't grow up a hockey fan. He kind of just parachuted in when it was like a big deal. Um, and I remember him telling me in like 82, he's like a, a hockey team's coming to New Jersey. So maybe once, once they come, we'll, we'll, we'll go to, we'll go to New Jersey. We'll support the team. And we started to follow it. They were awful. But then when I got my driver's license, I started going to the Meadowlands and following them. And, uh, yeah, they the first game, February 22nd, 1987, they lost to the Islanders six, nothing, uh, <laughs> a puck went off of, um, Claude Loisel's head into the net. It was just a really ugly game, but I fell in love with the sport through them. And I was a, I was a fan of theirs obviously until my career got cooking and I, I got the Ranger opportunity and I've learned to, to move on from that. Most important question here. Did you know about the season tickets prior to making her your girlfriend or was that? Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, I, I, no, it happened while we were together. <laughs> That's not why I started dating, but it was, that was a, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember, but that was a big deal. They beat the Islanders in the first round, beat the Capitals in the second round, took Boston to seven games. That was, you know, Sean Burke was uh, incredible coming out of the Olympics in 88 to join the Devils late. They went on a, I think it was like a 10-1-1 and run the final 12 games of the season to beat out the Penguins and the Rangers on that last day. I remember, you know, the Devils had to beat the Blackhawks in overtime and they beat Darren Pang. Earlier, the Rangers beat the Nordiques and I believe Pittsburgh was taken on Hartford. And so the Devils had to win that game in order to make the playoffs. And um, and I was just hooked. Uh, that really got me uh, completely hooked into hockey. I was a football, baseball guy at that point. And then from then on, I just became a hockey guy. I was only asking that because I always wonder, like, how could a Devils fan possibly root for the Rangers and have so much passion as you? Because I always say that from top to bottom, TV and uh, radio, the Rangers have the best crew by far between Sam, Joe, you, Kenny, and Dave. I, I've always said that by far maybe the best in sports because of how much passion you guys all have. And I was just thinking, like, if he's a Devils fan, how could he possibly get over that? And, like, how could he possibly be, like, have a emphatic Panarin call as a Devils fan? Cause I no, because it's, I, I love what I do. And it, yeah. this is a dream come true to call hockey games. It really is. So it was, it was an easy transition for me. You know, uh, I get the opportunity to call Ranger games. I was doing the pre and post at the coming out of the lockout in 05, 06. And then in uh, 2008, I was given the opportunity to back up Kenny. The first game I did was in October of 08 against the Flyers in Philly. I just loved it so much. I was so passionate about doing hockey. I did NHL Live. I just love the sport. And to be able to be that close to it, to travel with the team and to, to call games all over the National Hockey League is just amazing. And it came to a head in 2012 when they played in the conference final. 
and I got I got a chance to call a game there. And then game six, I was at ice level on the side where Henrique scored. And I remember a lot of Devil fans were getting on me why I didn't have a reaction when Henrique scored. Like, like they expect me to bang on the glass. I'm working for MSG, <laughs> for God's sakes. What do you expect me to do? Yeah. And I, but I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm watching this unfold and I, I, I wasn't happy. And the reason I wasn't happy was that the Rangers season was over and I just loved job, doing yeah. games. And, yeah. you know, listen, I had no connection to the Devils at that point. I mean, I went to the Stanley Cup final because I had a credential and, and I was able to go to those games against the Kings when they were home. But it was over. My season was over. The Rangers weren't going to win. And I was like, that, that it was pretty easy for me where my heart was. And then two years later, they go to the Stanley Cup final and Doc Emmerich's uh, father-in-law passes away. So Kenny was called to, to call the game for NBC. And I, I got to call game one of the Stanley Cup final on wow. radio against the Kings in L.A. And it is it was amazing. So, uh, no, it's we all start. I, I, I don't want to. I guess it's apples and oranges, but, you know, you get it. You're a player. Let's say you're a player and you grow up a Maple Leaf fan or a Ranger fan or whatever, and you get drafted by another team. And it's kind of like I felt like I was drafted by the Rangers. So it was an easy transition. So I, I, I root for all three teams, honestly, because from a Michael K. Show perspective, if all three teams are in the playoffs, there's more hockey to talk. Um, but, you know, my heart right now is and my career is based on uh, what the Rangers are able to accomplish. Yeah, no, I mean, that was a, a perfect way to put it. And I think it's obviously something that most people can, well, I guess not most people, but a lot of people can relate to in that, in that sense. But, um, you know, something I really wanted to, to pick your brain about and Avery and I, you know, just for a little bit more background, we're, we're post 94 babies. So uh, we weren't alive to see the cup. Uh, we haven't seen, or I haven't seen shit in my lifetime. I'm a big Rangers and Knicks fan. I don't really root for, I mean, I'm a Giants Mets fan, I guess, but I don't really follow those sports very closely, but in regards to, to this trade deadline, I'm sure you're asked all the time, what player you want, blah, 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 all that crap, which is all hypothetical. I want to ask you if this feels like 30 years ago where Neil Smith has handed his cards and he has to sacrifice a ton of young talent to go after the cup now. I think something that you're passionate about that we've talked about is that in this city, I think there are fans who are a little impatient, but there are also fans who are a little too patient with players, with prospects and all that. And a lot of fans, including us, don't want to see a lot of the younger talent go. But do you think that's a possibility if this team really is going to have to go all in? Because the Eastern Conference final, Eastern Conference, excuse me, is wide open right now, as wide open as it's been in the past few years. The Rangers are even running for the President's Trophy, and there are fans who, who are sitting here saying they wouldn't give up an Othman or wouldn't give up a Kako when. 30 years ago, they had to give up Doug Wade. They had to give up Mike Gartner. They had to give up Tony Amante, and it got them a cup. But I think there's still a little bit of fear in that. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, there's a bunch of things here. First of all, the Rangers were going 54 years without a cup. They were an older veteran team. They had some young players, obviously, Alexei Kovalev. You know, Leach was still on the younger side, Richter. But, you know, they went got Messier for one reason and one reason only, and that was to win a cup. And... I think it was a lot easier to win back then. There were fewer teams. You know, you look at the run the Rangers went on. I mean, they're clearly the best team in the NHL. I mean, they smoked the Islanders. The Islanders didn't belong on the same ice with the Rangers. Ron Hextall was their um, goaltender. Same thing with the Washington Capitals. But the Devils, you know, obviously the Devils were growing into something there. And then they, they caught the break with Vancouver. Vancouver was just on a miracle run. And it still took seven games to be able to win it. But you take a look at what happened to Boston last year. You know, first place, coast to coast, breaking records in the regular season, get bounced in the first round. I, I just think it's so hard to win that you have to kind of think about the long-term thing. And, and and being all in and trading everybody for now can turn out to be a mistake. Yeah, if you win, great, like the Rangers did in 94. But you take a look at how things went after 94. They missed a lot of those good young guys. They got older, and they went to the conference final in 97, and then they went on a long run of not making the playoffs – you know, until we came out of the lockout. It was eight years counting the lockout, missing the playoffs. It, it clearly cost them. I don't think Chris Drury wants to do that. I think the plan is to have something that's sustainable for a long period of time. And that doesn't mean that he's not going to go for something that looks like he can really help them. But I think they've cultivated these draft picks and, and they and they want to try to make it work. So I would be I would be surprised if they went all in like Keenan and Smith did in 94. Plus, 
they were able to do that, guys, because there was no cap. I mean, they were able to add all of these pieces, just one after another after another, to be able to bring in, you know, McTavish and to be able to bring in Anderson. And it just it was it was almost overkill at that point because they didn't have to worry about a salary cap. But now certainly the salary cap is on his mind, and um, I think they will make a deal, whether it's a center, whether it's a right winger, depth on the blue line. But I don't think it's going to come at the expense of like ninety four level of really trading you know, big-time prospects and real young players that, that would affect the long-term health of this franchise. Is there a name out there that you would expect them to go after? There's so many. I tried to avoid this, Avery. <laughs> I, I, know, so- I, I know, I know, and we get this question all the time on the podcast too, but if, if, if there's somebody out there like a Buchnevich that we've seen play for the Rangers before, or Vitrano, that you would see as a great fit for the Rangers? Well, Vitrano makes sense. The Buchnevich agenda. Listen, I, I like Buchnevich as well, and I understood why they had to do what they had to do. Um, but it was a tough give up because of, you know, cap restraints. Vitrano makes a lot of sense because of his contribution a couple of years ago to the conference final run. So he, he checks all the boxes. He's been here, plays the right position. You know, Vitrano and Cop were huge in that run a couple of years ago. So they're going to be asked to do a lot. Um, God, I, I love Roslovic. You saw him yesterday. I don't know why Columbus would ever part with him, but. You know, that looks like a player you like Adam Henrique. He's used to the market, can play, you know, center, a little wing. You know, he's co- scored big goals in the postseason, much to the chagrin of the Rangers. But, you know, that seems like a really nice player, too. God, I love a Yanni Gord. I don't know if Seattle would do it. They're still alive for the playoffs out west. But, God, I just think that anybody that makes the playoffs at the back end on the Western Conference is going to get pulverized by how good, how top heavy the West is. So, um, those are the names that kind of pop to me. Uh, we'll see if anybody else kind of gets going. I wonder with the emergence of Rempe and Enstrom, whether there there's less of an appetite because of this 10 game winning streak. But I, I still think with the loss of Blake Wheeler, now he'll not coming back They're They're going to need to get one or two pieces here. And uh, those are the names that I'm hearing. Those are the names that seem to make uh, the most sense to me. Oh, and oh, oh, in Wenberg, too, in Seattle. But again, we'll see what happens with the Kraken. And putting the trade deadline aside, what's the thing that the, sets the Rangers, like, over the top? I, I Personally, I feel like they need to start closing out teams more. I mean, we've seen a year after year, six, seven games. Like, they need to win a series in four or five games oh. to be considered a legitimate contender. I, I, I don't know about you, though. Oh, no, listen, I, I was a part of that run in 14 and I really think the reason that they didn't dance as well with the Kings as they could is all the games that they played during that run. You know, they had to go seven with Philly. They had to go seven with Pittsburgh. You know, um, it, they, you know, even even though it was six games against the, the Canadians, they were hard-fought games, overtime. And then you wonder if you got anything left. And then those two overtime losses to start the Stanley Cup final, I, I think he just killed them. Yeah, you'd like to be able to finish these teams off, but it – it's hard. I mean, if, if, if ball, if, that's why I think winning this conference is going to be so vitally important. You know, do you really want to play Tampa in the first round? Like, I don't think the lightning are that great of a team, but is that the team you want to draw in the first round? I have to beat Vasilevsky and Kucherov who's having an amazing season and Stamkos. I'd rather take on a Detroit, a younger team, inexperienced. Um, so, but, we'll, but we don't know. I mean, Tampa may finish as the eight seed could be Detroit. Maybe Philadelphia drops down there. But I'm with you. I'd like to see this team have a little easier series and, and be more poised for a longer run. I think that's important. Also, the biggest problem I've always felt with this team is it's too much Trochak, Panarin, Kreider, Zvanajak. Now you're seeing Lafreniere start to warm up here. Did you see the stat? I did it before the game. What their record is over the last two yeah. years when Lafreniere scores? Same. 18 straight games, 27-2-1. Uh, but it just shows you that when you get some other, get that secondary tertiary scoring to be able to get Kako to get Lafreniere scoring, I think that can maybe move the needle more than anything else on who they go out and get, guys. If Kako and Lafreniere start to play better, it's almost like you acquired good young talent. I think Lafreniere's got the better chance than Kako just because of who he plays with to be more of an offensive support. But if they can get Lafreniere and Kako going, and still get what they get with the other four guys and really get legitimate scoring out of three lines. That's what we're talking about. That's the kind of stuff that we're Stanley Cups are won. So <laughs> it's funny you brought it up. 
I don't know if you caught wind of this, but last week I have been starting to push a narrative or create a narrative that I believe one day Alexi Lafreniere can be a 100-point player in the NHL. Uh, and it got a lot of negative feedback, which I did expect. But anyone who's watched this team play and has watched him play this season, I mean, this guy is creating probably three to five grade-A scoring chances a night, not only for himself, but for his line mates too. And it feels like the guy – and it's it's so hard to say, like, you need – Trocek and Panarin to finish more or, you know, guys around him to finish more, but it really feels like they're not when he feeds them. Like he made one play against the devils that I, I posted the clip like five times. He was the F three on the back check. He separates the man from the puck. He fires the puck around in the breakout, then joins the rush, creates a two on one with him, him and Adam Fox and Foxy shoots it right into the pads of uh, Nico Dawes. No rebound, no goal, but he's been doing that consistently. And I just no. want to opinion on, on his ceiling, I guess. Well, I, listen, I don't think you'll ever live up to being the first overall pick in the draft. I guess he was compared to Stamkos when he was drafted. I don't know if he'll ever get to that point. But here's where I'll throw my support to you, John. <laughs> if I were to tell you in 2015, 2016, that Chris Kreider would score 50 goals, it would it be any more outrageous than what you're saying about Lafreniere? Honestly. I don't think so. Before, before Kreider had the 54-goal season, he never had more than 28 goals. You know, and now he's become, you know, what is what last year was like upper 30s. I mean, he's a guy that I think you can really expect north of 35 goals. You know, that wasn't anything you'd be considering. So, yeah, listen, it would be a pretty hefty jump. I mean, this is a guy that's never scored more than 39 points. Yeah. And to go to 100, that's a pretty, he's 22. He's 22. pretty massive jump. But like, like I said, you know, yeah. when Kreider's coming off, a, you know, a 25-goal a season, saying, you know, this guy can double his goal total. That Chris or, or Chris Kreider by the end of next year will be the second highest goal scorer in the history of the Rangers. You wouldn't have seen that coming either. So I hear what you're saying. I, listen, I'm not going to bet on it just because it's a, it's a major jump. But just getting 100 points in this league is tough. I mean, you know, outside of McDavid's and the Kucherovs, it's not like that happens all the time. Even Panarin hasn't gotten to 100 yet. He's always Ryan banging on the door. He's close. Um so it's it's a hef, it's a, it's a pretty lofty uh, expectation, <laughs> but like I said, the the Kreider analogy was just as lofty, and look what's happened. Yeah, I've always said it for years now. The expectations are way too high for these draft picks. When uh, I mean, understandably, when you have guys like McDavid, Matthews coming in the league and lighting it up right away. But I completely agree with you, and I actually agree with Johnny's take as well. But going back to a little bit of the broadcasting for a second. Um, I always like to ask behind the scenes, you know, you're, you're always around the team, Johnny too. So I always like to ask a question, even to the former players that come on the podcast, what's your favorite off air moment, whether, you know, it was in, in the back end of the garden, talking to a player that you can actually tell on this podcast involving the Rangers. Ooh, that's a, that's a real, I wish I was prepared for this. A few, I just got to sift through what's not going to get me in any kind of trouble. Although yeah. listen, <laughs> hockey players are great to deal with. Um, I, I remember, being in the room when Avery brought his family into the dressing room in Buffalo and seeing John Tortorella's expression, that was fun. Um, no, no surprise. Uh, Sean was a healthy scratch that night. Um, <laughs> Tort Tortorella, uh, John, I love John. I, I, I don't know how you guys feel about him. Uh, Johnny, love I don't him. know if you've ever had to deal with him. I never met him. Covering the Rangers. I, I think he's an absolute gem. He, he, I, honestly, and I know, you know, the stop coaching Pat and all that. I never took it. I never took it personal because I got to know him. I covered his Stanley cup run in 04. Um, so I, I knew him great, great guy, but he, he would have just some meltdowns and, I, but he was always very kind to me. But I remember one time he brought me, it was, uh, God, it was like four people. Larry wasn't one of them, but it was like one of the, and it was like four guys. I forget where we were, St. Louis, some morning skate calls us into the office. And he's like, listen, I just want to tell you, I, I can't, I hate you guys. I hate you. <laughs> he goes, not you personally, just the whole concept of the media and you asking questions. And I just laughed. And then he laughed like, like he was, he was so much fun to deal with. And I know there's a lot of people that don't like him because of the whole, you know, that he gets, you know, pa passionate. And but I, I th and I think he's a terrific coach. I think what he's doing in Philadelphia is tremendous. Mm -hmm. But those are some stories um, of the behind the scenes stuff. Another one that I've talked about on the K show <clears throat> without giving a tremendous amount of detail. 
I got a stomach bug in Calgary back in 2018. And I did the game very, very sick. And um, I was green. And we had to go to Minnesota right after the game. And I was, so I got through the game and ended up being fine. And we fly to Minnesota and I fell asleep. And I woke up, but the plane was empty. Everybody had already left. So I had to run to get off the plane. And instead of going down to the tarmac, I veered to the right and ended up in the Minneapolis airport just wandering around, like not knowing where I was. just left you on the plane, though? Dave, the Dave had to come get me. Dave saved the day. He came <laughs> to get me. But I, I want to say that, um, that, that Quinn did a great job. Usually the bustles will just leave you. And we follow the players to the hotel. But they got wind that I, they couldn't find me. Uh, so – Quinn Quinn held the bus up, so then they find me and they bring me back to the bus, and I, I got a good night's sleep. I felt much better the next day. It was just like a twenty four hour thing I got from my kids before I left. And um, before before we started the press conference, Quinn asked how I was doing, put my his arm around me. I like I thought that was really nice that he did that. He, you know, yeah. most of these you know the relationship that you have between player coaches and and the media sometimes isn't the, the greatest. But uh, he was he was one coach that. Uh, he actually felt for me. So I thought that was like a lot of other people would have just left me there. <laughs> I, I would have to fend for my side. I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, that's a, that's a, that's a quick story. But uh, awesome. they, they, listen, I, they're, they're all, they're all great guys. They really are. Um, covering hockey players is so much better than covering any other sport. They're all down to earth, nice people. And um, the coaches, the same thing. Like I said, Tortorello is nice. Tom Rennie was a salt of the earth guy. Um, Elaine Vigneault, was fun to deal with as well so those are a couple of things that kind of popped into my head i'll probably think of more after but those are the two that uh, popped into my head quick well i know we're running a little bit short on time here but i do have like one or two more if that's okay absolutely well i i didn't want to skip over it i mean while we're kind of on the topic of coaches you know i think avery and i have talked a lot about laviolette feeling like that new york coach right like he just seems like a guy even though he's not from here he just understands the people here mm-hmm. and I'm curious on your thoughts if, you know, to me, he's a guy that is the first time I've like really believed in a coach, you know, not just a team, but the coach. And I'm curious if, if you have a similar feeling or if there's another guy that you've dealt with maybe where you truly felt it. I mean, we, we were too young for torts. I feel like to really understand. No, but he, um, I really rooted for, for Laviolette to get the job. Um, I got to know him when he was the Islander head coach. As a matter of fact, I did a Saturday show. We had the Islanders on ESPN radio before we had the Rangers. So when the Islanders made those runs in 02, 03, 04, they made the playoffs three straight years under Laviolette, he was the coach, and and he was a weekly. I'd have him as every Saturday. Chris Botta was the PR director, and he got me Laviolette every every Saturday, which I thought was great. So I got to know him, worked a little on NHL Live when he was between jobs and got to cover uh, for NHL Live, the Stanley Cup final when Carolina beat Edmonton. So I know what he can do. Now, you said he's not a New York guy, but he is because of those years he spent with the Islanders and he played a little bit for the Rangers, so he gets the New York thing. But look what he did in Carolina, wins a cup, you know, right away. Uh, Philadelphia takes him to the Stanley Cup final, takes Nashville to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, how many coaches take three different teams to a final? He's won a cup, you know, so I just felt he was suited for this. Now, there's always the shelf life. I mean, obviously, um, it was a short-term situation in Washington because I think they were older and banged up. So I don't know if anybody was going to have success there. Um, so it seems like all these coaches come with expiration dates. And I, but I felt they, they gave him a three-year contract because he had a three-year window to get it done. And in the first year, he's already got the team competing for a president's trophy. So I think he's a terrific coach. There's a system, there's a plan in place. He supports his players, but can still be a disciplinarian at the same time. He is a hell of a coach. He really is. And I, I think the Rangers really hit a home run. I was not on board with the Quinn firing. I thought he deserved a little bit more time. I get what they did with Gallant, but I, I respect I respect um, Chris for realizing it wasn't the right fit and making a move. But uh, to me, I'm not just reacting on what they've done so far this year. I'm reacting off of how I felt when they hired him. I think this is a home run. I think this is really going to work. And I promise this is my last one before I share a little story and let you go. I don't want to drag your time here too long, but – you were on the glass for the outdoor game. I mean, probably the, the best perspective out of everybody. We were both. Great. I was in the press box. Avery was in the seats. But can you talk about? I mean, that's got to be the coolest fucking thing of all time. Where you were sitting for that game? Oh, it was. A, it, listen, I've been very fortunate. I've worked ice level for all five of their outdoor games, going back to Philadelphia in 2012. It's always been great. This was the best ever 
because it's a football stadium. So it kind of resembles at least symmetrically an NHL arena. I thought the ice was terrific, but the baseball stadium just had too much wide open space. You felt way disconnected with the crowd. And, you know, obviously Citizens Bank, there was a partial flyer crowd. Uh, the Yankee stuff, um, I thought it was great. But something hit different about this one that really, not just because the way the game ended and how exciting the game was, just how electric the crowd was, way more people than you would get at a, at a baseball ballpark. Um, it was just, really, it was a, just an incredible experience. I was very fortunate. I was, I, I was, um, I was there for the game-winning goal. I was there for um, uh, Lindgren's getting his face smashed into the ice. It was right in front of me. So I felt like a lot of the action was right there where I was, where Igor uh, was defending the net twice, and then they flipped for overtime. So I was I was there, and I knew the Panarin goal was going to count because I saw that the Islanders had knocked it off the netting. So uh, the fallacy of the predetermined outcome, you knew that that puck was going to go in had it not been knocked off the mooring. So – Felt like we were on top of the plate. That was that was a really special day. That was by far the best of the five. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It seriously was. I mean, me and Avery still like, you know, we're talking about it being probably top three sporting event of our, of our life. You know, it's up there to me with even like the Panarin overtime goal, um, you know, all that stuff. But uh, I just, you know, before we let you go, Avery, I don't know if you had one, do you have one more thing or anything. Or yeah, it's just from Cody. So we have a third member of this podcast. Cody couldn't make it. He works some. He's a yeah. corporate guy. Yeah, he's a corporate <laughs> guy. Uh, it's actually off topic completely of the Rangers. It's a Yankee question. Him and I are both Yankee fans, but he wanted to know, do you think given the Yankees latest offseason additions, they are back to being one piece or do they still have ways to go? And what have you heard on that one piece being Snell or cease after Curry's latest comments? It doesn't feel like, um, that it's going to happen with Snell, but, but you never know. I I guess there, I, I don't know. If they need another piece, it just seems like to me the offense always comes up short in the postseason. That you know, we get all this pitching, but yet it's not the pitching that hurts them in the postseason. It's not being able to get that big hit. But it's hard to win now. You know, you were talking about '94 with the Rangers. It's hard to win. It's not the game. It's not the sport where the Rangers, the, the the Yankees, won four championships in five years. Not that sport anymore. They're clearly good enough to go out there and win the division. I think they're better than the Blue Jays. I think they're better than the Rays. The Orioles are interesting. But the Rangers, the the, the keep Rangers, Yankees have way more experience. But uh, I, I I don't know what they'll do. You know they, they seem to shy away from these Boris clients and and Snell never seems to play pitch well after winning a Cy Young. So doesn't feel like anything else is going to be happening. But we'll have to wait and see. Maybe something at the deadline for sure, especially if they're struggling. So Alan Hahn wanted me to mention uh, the post game shows at pitchers at the Marriott. Uh, after Islander games, I, I oh, guess the cha- of a champion. I always know the champions. I don't know. He said, he said back pitchers then. at the Marriott, but oh yeah, we, we did that all the time because like I said, <laughs> we had the Islanders early on, and it was the, during the Rick DiPietro time, and and we would uh, we cover the game, we do shows. They had a nice little broadcast booth there, and Allen would come by because Allen covered the Islanders. Uh, got to know John Weidman, who did the play by play with Chris King for the Islanders. Um, that was a lot of fun. That was, a, that was a good time. I miss the Coliseum, but I, I miss going out there. That was always good food and a lot of fun and hanging out with Allen. But I, I knew it as champions. I don't know if they changed the pitchers or it was pitchers back in the day, but it was champions of the Marriott right across the parking lot from the Coliseum. And it'd always be like, you'd be hanging out there and Billy Smith would be playing pool. It was just, <laughs> it, just it was weird. Like all the old Islanders were there. It was just, it was a, a really, really cool vibe there. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, Alan. Alan begged me to to bring that one up, but um, you oh, know, before and Ricky Pietro was a very bad guy back then. I'd always try to, <laughs> he'd be there eating dinner. I'd ask him to come. He would never come on the show. He's a nice guy now, but when he played, he was very unapproachable. He was probably cocky from all the money he was. Very, getting. very cocky. <laughs> um, but I just I actually haven't said this to you in person. I kind of wanted to save it for the recording because it is a big compliment to you. Um, when I was on the train heading to Yankee stadium for the Rangers outdoor games. I was, I think a senior or junior in high school. I was standing next to you on the subway and I saw your credential, but I didn't know what you would look like because I'd only heard you on the radio my whole life. And my dad, you know, he would drive me to practice to Brooklyn, to New Jersey every day. And he'd have the Michael K show on in the car. That's what we listened to listen to Rangers radio on the way home. 
so I saw your credential and I introduced myself and you talked to me for probably 30 minutes. Oh, really? I, I was like, <laughs> I, no, no. I, I was like a 17 year old kid to me. It like, you know, I, I, I didn't I even remember know I that. to be in the industry. And nope. I just wanted to thank you in the recording publicly to just say like, you know, you're one of those guys where you'll take the time to talk to somebody. If, if you're not like Avery and just say, Hey, big fan. <laughs> uh, no, I remember that because I didn't remember it was you, but I do remember doing that because the Super Bowl was in New York. And usually we go, we would travel at the time we traveled to the different city where the Super Bowl was, but it was in New York. And they, they set up, I think, a radio row at the Javits Center or someplace. But we got the idea we were going to do it at Bryant Park. Um, and we did the shows from Bryant Park. And for the Islander game, the Islander game was during the week. I, I want to say it was a Wednesday, maybe, oh my of God, Super yeah. Bowl week. So I had to take the subway to Yankee Stadium. Uh, to to do it, so I, I do remember that. That was a, that was a lot of fun. That was so cold. Both those days were so Freezing. so cold. Brutal. This and this last game wasn't bad at all. No, was, it was listen. It was cold, but it wasn't bad. City Field was really bad too against the Sabers. Yeah. I remember that being very cold. But Citizens Bank and the one in that life, it wasn't too bad. I will say all before right. you go, Johnny did say I was a huge fan. I mean, there literally are times where if I don't like the national broadcast who's calling the game, I will sync <laughs> up your audio to my television. Well, I, I appreciate that. That's hard to do. Yeah. The effort to count. So thanks, man. That's cool. Yeah. I told my dad we were having you on. And he said, you got to tell him about that time on the subway. So, Well, uh, tell him I said hello. And he's uh, he did a great job with you. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that, Don. Um, so thank you for your time. I know we went a little bit over, but uh, we really appreciate it. You're the best. And uh, see you Wednesday night when Rempy drops the gloves about 30 seconds in. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Don. Don. Just wanted to thank Don LaGreco one more time for hopping on the show with us. It was so cool to talk to him. Uh, we really appreciate everyone tuning in to today's episode. We don't really have much else to talk about. It's just me right now kind of wrapping everything up. We're going to come back with an episode next week. Rangers play on Wednesday and on Saturday. Wednesday, they're home against Columbus. Saturday, they're in Toronto. So the three of us should be recording on Sunday. We'll have that episode posted on Monday morning. But hope you guys all enjoyed the interview with Don. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. And LFGR. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.